You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Lock On Texans, your daily podcast and news update. And as always, please remember you can find Locked On Texans on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Megaphone, and Spotify, or any other of your favorite podcast streaming services. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my boy. John, some sports guy Hickman, and we have a very interesting show today, and not just for today, but for the rest of the week, as we are partnering with the Locked On family across the entire NFL. Normally, you guys know we do crossovers with divisions, and sometimes throughout the year, uh, throughout the 16-game season, we would do a crossover show with the team that we're playing that upcoming week, but we're mixing it up, so you don't know who we're going to hit you with. Just be prepared to talk about sports here in Houston and vice versa, the team that we will discuss starting off with Locked On Packers. And I can't wait. It's going to be very fun. I'll tell you that. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Trust me. And I really mean trust me. And I can't wait to discuss what we have ready for today's show. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine. But it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors. Eight chocolate nut flavors. Eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. Soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome in, fans of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is John, some sports guy Hickman, along with Cody Davis of Locked On Texans. And today we are joined by the Locked On Podcast family member over at Locked On Packers, Peter Bukowski. And the Locked On family decided to give you guys an entire month, uh, it seems like, of just crossovers. Everybody getting together with one another to discuss the team, whether it's the draft, the offseason, the future, what may uh, be in the future holding that holds for the future in your franchise. That's what we're going to talk about. And I think we have a lot we can talk about considering what the Packers just did in the draft and blew everybody away. And 
We know what Bill O'Brien has done here in Houston. Peter, what's going on, man? Nothing at all between our two teams. We have two of the most boring teams this offseason. I don't know how we're going to fill time. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, the draft, for one. We, we're definitely <laughs> going to talk about the draft. <laughs> we're definitely going to talk about that. And then all we right. know the offseason. Do we have to? We got to. We got all to. Right. I mean, I know you try to avoid it, but it has to. <laughs> It has to be a conversation because honestly, you know, everybody was shocked, right? And I, I just read something where executives believe Jordan Love is the next Patrick Mahomes. And I hate that for Jordan Love because nobody is the next Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is the first Patrick Mahomes. And I don't think we will ever see a guy purposely throw a no-look pass, but that's unfair to him. And I think maybe the Packers or the executives around the league, you know, are doing a little bit of reaching. However, I want to give you the floor to discuss picking Jordan Love when you already have Aaron Rodgers. And then a second pick picking AJ Dillon when you already have Aaron Jones. Well, let's set the Dillon part of this aside because the love thing is, is fascinating, right? You're right. It's, it is totally unfair to set those kinds of expectations on Jordan Love. That said, a lot of what makes Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, we thought we'd never see another Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes came along and all of a sudden was like, Oh, cool. Hold my beer. So, I mean, from that standpoint, uh, it's not crazy to think someone else is going to come in and, and have a similar kind of skill set. He's excellent at creating off platform, his ability to make throws on the move to locations where few other quarterbacks can make them is it's impressive. Um, I said before the draft that that I felt like he was a project. I still feel that way. But when you look at the talent, the talent part of it is there. Um, I, what I'm fascinated to see next is to hear from the executives about, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be so mad. We're already hearing about some of this. And, you know, he's, he's not going to take this well. That guy's a diva. And then in two or three years, all of those same teams are going to be calling Brian Gutekinds talking about, hey, what is it going to take to get Aaron Rodgers? And you know that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I know it's going to happen. And I think, what do you give it, two years, three years? I think after next season, teams will start calling in, offering whatever they can get. If you're a quarterback away team, and if you're uh, uh, in New England where you just feel like, okay, we've built this team and Jared Stidham is not who we thought he was or – you know, or if you're a team like Jacksonville and you've given the Michigan Mania a go and you're not really in a run to draft Trevor Lawrence and Aaron Rodgers is there, you may have some pieces Green Bay may have, may, may want rather. So I think Aaron Rodgers will get through this season. Uh, hopefully he'll have a phenomenal season to put all of the doubters to rest. But eventually, sooner than later, calls will start coming in. And I, I was just taken aback. I didn't know whether it was the GM that made that move. Was it Matt LaFleur? We've heard a lot about Matt LaFleur wanting to really start his own journey, his own legacy without Aaron Rodgers. There's a lot of confusion out there and a lot of chaos that I think will continue to brew once football uh, kicks off. Yeah, and, and we have some insight into that. Brian Gutekunst said the night of the pick that he felt like it was his responsibility to build for the long term of this team. He was asked if Matt LaFleur was on board and he equivocated a little bit. He said, look, you know, Matt LaFleur is, is just in his second year as a head coach. I would never stick him with a, a quarterback he didn't want, but he, he had to cover 
for Matt LaFleur because, right, Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback, at least in 2020, probably in 2021, and in a perfect world in 2022 as well in terms of the financial implications of Aaron Rodgers' contract. You have to give your coach cover. You have to be able to say, this was not Matt's decision. This was my decision because LaFleur still has to go in and coach Aaron Rodgers. Now, all that said, and my listeners have heard this before, when asked at the Combine, basically the, the perfect prospect, what are the traits that you look for in a quarterback? Matt LaFleur gave, at least in terms of strengths, the Jordan Love scouting report. Natural thrower, big arm, can make all the throws, will stand in the pocket, make throws, and will make plays off platform. And then they, they talked about you know the kind of guy that he is. Well, coming out of the draft, they used all of the same qualifications to talk about him. Matt LaFleur is in on Jordan Love. Now, whether or not it was his pick or whether or not Matt LaFleur pushed for it, we don't know that for sure. We do know Matt LaFleur was on board with the pick. And that's something that that the Packers are going to have to reckon with in the next couple of years because it has to be the right pick. For, for Houston, this is fascinating because Bill O'Brien doesn't have to go through that process. When he no. wants something, he just does it for better or for worse. <laughs> so let's go back in time a little bit. We hear reports that David Johnson is on the move. And then that report turns into, oh, it's David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. And then it turns out it's it's DeAndre Hopkins and picks. And, and yeah, the, the Texans did get a pick out of it as well. What was that, guys? What happened? Well, look, we're coming up, <laughs> up on, on almost a month since the trade and i still haven't gotten over it john still hasn't gotten over it of course the texans fan base you don't even have to be a texan fan to just still i still haven't gotten over it nobody has but at the end of the day i'm i'm trying to take the emotions out of this and look at it from in hindsight i kind of understand the trade and i say that only due to the fact that when i look at this team from a financial standpoint DeAndre Hopkins would have been the odd man out, and this would have been a situation that would have continued to linger on for the Texans, let's say for for at least the next two to three years because he wanted a new contract. You take a look at what what you take a look at where the Texans were. They were in a situation where DeAndre Hopkins wanted more money, and yes, he deserved more money. But at the same time, you had other two players you have to you have to pay. Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil. You know, you know right off the bat, the Texans are not going to let Deshaun Watson not get his bag. Like him and Patrick Mahomes are about to reset the market for franchise yeah. quarterbacks. So that leaves Laramie Tunsil and DeAndre Hopkins. You're looking at that from a standpoint, in a way, Bill O'Brien and the Texans, they could not let Laramie Tunsil walk out the door because Look what they gave up for him. They gave up a lot to get Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, but the main port portion of that trade was to get Laramie Tunsil, somebody who this year, yes, he still had his problems in penalties and whatnot, but this is a guy who actually helped take our offensive line from arguably the worst in the league to, you know, you, you bring in a guy like Titus Howard. You also look at um, Nick Martin. He actually is the core in helping this offensive line become even better in 2019 and I do believe in 2020 it's even going to get better so that that left Deshaun Watson out as the as the odd man out and 
you know, it once again, it still hurts. But you look at what Bill O'Brien has done since then. You look at the talent that he has brought in, um, a guy like Randall Cobb, a guy like um, Brandon Cooks. He has, has put the Texans in a situation where we used to have one guy who used to do everything on the field to now, if everybody stay healthy, this is the, this is the biggest key about if this trade will work. If everyone can stay healthy, you're looking at a team in Houston that could be a hell of a lot more dangerous than the teams that we saw last year and the year before. Because if you go back last year, and especially in 2018, it was it was mainly get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and let him go to work. Get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and let him, let him do his thing. Sometimes that made our offense kind of staggerish. Now you replace him with a variety of guys who are talented. But once again, if they can stay healthy, the, the Texans can actually look better. So... <laughs> Once you take the emotions out of it, you 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 get an idea, okay, this is a move Bill O'Brien and the Texans probably had to make. Now, I still believe he should have gotten a goddamn first-round pick out of it. That would never make any sense to me. But in hindsight, I mean, it is what it is. I just wonder what it is about about Houston sports teams having offenses built around, hey, just just let this one guy cook. Yeah, I mean, there's another team in Houston that I cover. Um, you probably know them. They named the Rockets, and there's this other mm. guy named James Harden that do the exact same thing. That makes me very, very angry at times. But that's neither here or there. It's not locked on Rockets. <laughs> it's locked on Texas. That 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 takes me to a whole nother level. And John as well. Can we can we talk about the receiver thing for a second? Because I mean, I want to talk about Randall Cobb and, and Brandon Cooks, but. Absolutely. One of one of the names that you mentioned is a hot name right now with Packer fans because after the draft, Bill Barnwell over at ESPN said, "Hey, look, Kenny Stills maybe doesn't make as much sense in Houston anymore." They signed Randall Cobb. They're paying Brandon Cooks, who they traded for. Will Fuller is the future number one of this offense. So why why have Kenny Stills? Why pay Kenny Stills? Maybe he's going to get cut. Maybe he could be had for a pick. What's what's the deal? Can the Packers get Kenny Stills is what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, let me say this first. You know, we picked up Will Fuller's uh, fifth-year option, which is worth a little uh, over $10 million. But I will not put future number one next to Will Fuller's name uh, simply because we haven't seen that future, whatever we would want him to be, stay on the field for at least 14 games. Uh, now, in regards to Kenny Stills, with, with me bringing up the fact about Will Fuller and his health situation and him not being on the field as much as we would like, that's the biggest reason why we should keep Kenny Stills around, I believe. You know, we have Rangel Cobb, who's of, who is of age. We see he had a very good year last year in Dallas, uh, over 800 yards. He also played alongside of Mark Cooper and a rising young talent uh, in Gallup. We did bring in Brandon Cooks, who I can't wait to talk about in a little bit. And we also have a Kiki QT on the roster, who that may be someone who gets cut, or maybe we can find a trade partner out there. Uh, but in regards to the receiving core we have right now, I think all of these guys should really still be on the roster, with the exception of Kiki QT, because I think he got so far in the doghouse last year. And we really still don't know outside of bad route running. That was terrible last year. Uh, so much so that we used DeAndre Carter to receive more than we used KKQT. But nevertheless, a lot of these guys, we don't know how they're going to operate when they get more targets. And 
I'm all for going into this year. If we're going to have life after DeAndre Hopkins, I'm all for equality, right? I mean, this is what this is what I would like to see, but we need to make sure we have bodies available just in case one player is not doing what we would expect for him to do or would like for him to do. We still have somebody else around. Or if Will Fuller goes down, we don't know the health of Will Fuller because we, we've never been able to bank on it in the past. Or Brandon Cooks may have an injury. We know his concussion history, which has only kept him out of two games. However, we know how serious the league has gotten in the last five years about concussions. You can, you can be good and ready to play, but you're still going to miss a game or two. So I believe in having bodies when DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on this team. And that's been an issue for this team, period. Even when he was on here, the depth problem. Now, in regards to Brandon Cooks, I'm so excited about what he can possibly bring to Houston because of this. DeAndre, I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson was first among QBs in deep ball accuracy, which is a minimum of 50% of your snaps. Prior to 2019, Brandon Cooks had zero drops on 51 straight catchable deep passes. And uh, 35 of Brandon Cook's deep targets last year were catchable in the 19th percentile, so around a 47th wide receiver. He and Deshaun Watson could be a match made in heaven mm. because we can stretch the field now. And he's not going to be with Jared Goff, who, you know, Rams, I mean, not Rams, they're, not, they're no longer the Rams. Oh, they're, they're all the Rams, I'm sorry. The L.A. Rams, not the St. Louis. I still get, you know, caught up over there. But the L.A. Rams no, you be mad all you want to, but you know, Jared Goff really isn't what you paid him for, right? I mean, there's been times where yeah. I have to, I'm watching film on him and he's waiting for Sean McVay for a hot route or for a play change or help from the sideline. Like he's holding, he's waiting to, for daddy to come hold his hand. You don't have to worry about that with Sean Watson. He's not a, you know, in the middle of the field, short route, short route. He is a very great deep passer. Brandon Cooks, we know, can blow the top off of defense. I'd just like to thank Deshaun Watson for allowing me to drag the Bears fans mercilessly for the last few years. It just, oh my God. It just really makes me happy that I get to do that. And, and by the way, let me just say, I thought Deshaun Watson was the best player full stop in that draft in terms of prospects. I would have taken him number one over Miles Garrett. I know that makes me weird, but I was, I was, I believe Dabo when he said Deshaun Watson is Superman. He's Michael Jordan. I am all Deshaun Watson is my favorite non-Packers player in football. I love him. And you guys are so lucky that you get to cover him. I love watching him play. I just wanted to say that at some point and it, it, there is a little bit of joy that I get to glean out of just dunking all over the Bears fans for not just taking Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, but for trading yes. up to yes. do it. Oh my God. It is it is one of the, the true glorious little things of my life. Yes. And four years later, you're declining his fifth year option and going into camp with a QB battle between he and Nick Foles. <laughs> I, I said it. this the other day. Are we sure Mitch Trubisky is the sixth best quarterback in the NFC North? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you got four starters. You got Jordan Love. I mean, Chase Daniel. Are we sure? Do we know? I mean, and I I, I, I still love Chase Daniel. I really do. I, and I kind of hate he never really got a fair shot. But oh my gosh, Mitch is bad. 
Mitch is bad. But I also will say this while we're on the subject. Just a, Matt Nagy tried to do too much last year. Yeah. Um, way too much last year. Like, I think Matt thought, and I'm going to say, I'm going to give a comparison. Matt Nagy last year and the year before, Sean McVay. They thought too much of their quarterbacks based off one year, based off, mm-hmm. you know, everybody else having a remarkable season around them. Some, you know, that and that defense for the Bears were remarkable. And I thought maybe, maybe Nagy thought to himself, well, let me give, give my quarterback the groove to put this team over the top. I don't know. But he got caught up in trying to do too much. I mean, that very first game, was it a Sunday night or a Monday night game where – you know, that first drive was so atrocious because he was doing too much. You know, just a lot of crap that I, I thought, you know, you're you're what you're telling me is you're disguising the fact that you know your quarterback really isn't that good. So you have to do too much to kind of throw the team defense that you're playing off. I, I don't know, but it, it's a lot of it's a it's a trick play offense right now. I mean, that's what the Bears run. And and part of the reason is because Mitch Trubisky is not very good. But, you know, what's interesting is going back since Matt Nagy got hired, the Bears are one in three against the Packers. And that includes the season that the Packers went six, nine and one and the Bears went 12 and four because Mike Patton has had the Bears number. He's had Matt Nagy's number because he's tricked him into not running the ball. They have played small against the Bears every time they play dime and they say, hey, run the ball. We dare you to run the ball. And yet Mitch Trubisky, I think the last game they played, Mitch threw it 50 times. And the Packers were saying, please run the ball with that running back you traded up in the third round to get that you wasted picks on. Please do that. And and Nagy was like, I'm good. Sorry, we've gotten way off course. So when it comes to Randall Cobb, obviously that is a name that that people in my audience are going to know. Is he someone that that you're, you think is going to be a, a featured part of this offense? I mean, they paid him like he's going to be, but as you said, it's kind of hard to predict with these with, with these receivers. Brandon Cooks has an injury issue. Will Fuller has an injury issue. And Kenny Stills has never been really a primary target. So, I mean, could we be sitting here, um, you know, nine months from now or, or whatever it is and say, oh, Randall Cobb, turns out he led the team in targets just because, you know, the teams around him, Guys couldn't stay healthy, and, and he was the most consistent part of it. Because as I look at the roster, that, that doesn't seem crazy to me. I think that's a possibility. Now, we did draft a young receiver in the uh, in the draft. Was it the fifth round? Yeah, fifth round. Uh, What's that feel like? Uh, well, we will see the fifth Drafting round. Drafting a receiver. Right receiver. Could, could, yeah, couldn't, be, couldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the fifth round, we picked up Isaiah Coltler out of Rhode Island. Uh, and I think he's going to be a very promising rookie. But when we do look at the landscape of this receiver depth, that's a strong possibility. And if that's the case, then I think the Texas office would fail them. If Randall Cobb has come out at the last of the 17 games now with the most targets, the most wide receiver production as a slot receiver, I think the Texas office would be pretty bad. Can I push back on that? Because I think that's fascinating. Absolutely. Uh, so what what I what I really love about the Randall Cobb signing, uh, and 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 particularly in retrospect, 
now that we have the the Brandon Cooks part two, because the, the the Cobb trade or the excuse me, the Cobb signing happened first, right? And mm-hmm. then they traded for Brandon Cooks. So Randall Cobb's best years in Green Bay came with Jordy Nelson being able to take the top off of the defense. Where Randall Cobb really excels is in the middle of the field. He can be, you know, the Texans don't really have an impact tight end. He can be that guy who from the slot impacts the game in the middle of the field if you have someone else who can take the top off the defense. When Green Bay didn't have that guy, when Jordy Nelson was hurt or when Devontae Adams was hurt, Cobb couldn't create on its own. So even if there are injuries, because the other guys, you've got Stills, Cooks, and Fuller, if just one of those guys is on the field, now they're threatening the safeties. They're worrying the corners who have to maybe play a little bit more off. And now Randall Cobb is more free. The geometry of the offense, almost no matter what, the geometry of the offense, at least for Randall Cobb, fits. So now if he gets hurt, obviously, you have a problem in, in terms of if he's the guy at the end of the season. If he plays 12 games and he's the guy at the end of the year with the most targets and the most <laughs> yards, then you really have a problem. But I just think if he stays healthy and the guys around him don't, just because of who those guys are and what their skill sets, to me, I think he can continue to be productive no matter what. Um, let if, me just if say, the rest of the team goes down and he's the only receiver that's readily available every game. Right. But so like if, if Kenny Stills plays 10 and Will Fuller plays 12 and Brandon Cooks plays no, 12. No, that's way too high. That's why 12 is way too high. We'll okay. <laughs> Will Fuller plays eight. <laughs> Brandon Cooks plays 10 and Kenny Stills plays nine. But they're, but they're like different. They don't, they don't all miss the same weeks where just every week, if for all 16 games, he has got one of those guys is what I'm saying. I think he could, that's, that's not a, the worst thing for your offense. Does that make sense? Am I just, am I just like yeah, being crazy? No, no, no. It, I think it makes sense. I think the, the best, like if we look at it with him and Fuller, him and Cooks, I mean, him and Cooks and him and, and Steels. The best possibility would definitely be Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks. Yeah, for sure. I think so. Uh, but I can see, I can see your point on that. All right. So, so big picture here as we as we try and push this forward a little bit because these are these are two teams that I think a lot of people are still going to be pretty. You know, they didn't they didn't have great off seasons. I don't think anyone thinks that about either the Texans or the Packers. But I still think these are two teams who are going to compete in their respective conferences. So just give me your 30,000-foot view on where you see this team in 2020. Are they a, a real AFC contender at this point? Because the AFC is wide open. Um, um, as of right now, once again, the main thing that's going to work for the Texans when it comes to if they are able to succeed in 2020 is health. Because if David Johnson can at least give you half of what he gave you in 2016, and once again, for the 101 time, if Will Fuller can stay healthy, you're talking about a team that's more dangerous than we have seen over the last couple of seasons. And now you factor in the the point that Deshaun Watson is going to come back even better. If they can stay healthy, I feel they're going to be right underneath the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. And I only say that due to the fact you got a guy in Deshaun Watson. He has multiple weapons. This is a guy who can create something out of nothing. You even mentioned it earlier, Peter, when you said um, the fact that you have a guy like Will Fuller, you know, he can 
he 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 is so much of a threat that can open up guys like um that can open up Randall Cobbs and also the same for Brandon Cooks, who I believe might be the Texans' top target this year. It the Texans have so many so many ways they can attack. I will say they're gonna they're gonna fall third in the AFC, right behind the the Chiefs and the Ravens, if they can stay healthy. There's an old Bill Simmons bit about – I remember it was Matthew Stafford, and he said that his name should just be Matthew Stafford if he can stay healthy because <laughs> that was always the thing. And I, so basically what you're saying is that we should – this year should be the Houston Texans if they can stay healthy because yeah. that, that seems to be the caveat. That is going to be the perfect theme going into 2020 if they can – you might as well just change the Houston if they can stay healthy. Because I'm telling you, if they can stay healthy, this team is going to be dangerous. But if if we go through another year of Will Fuller's not on the field, of course, David Johnson, it's it's going to be bad. It's interesting because I think the Packers are in the same position. I think um, they need to stay healthy. They got they got lucky last year with with injuries. Um, they're they're not a, a super deep team, but to me, they're they're just below still the 49ers. I don't I don't I think the 49ers are worse than they were last year. I think that gap has narrowed a little bit. They're going to need guys like Javon Kinlaw and Brandon Ayuk, um, who, you know, both of whom I like as prospects, to really be good in 2020. And that's a big ask for rookies. Um, I think talent-wise, they're still behind a team like the Saints. It's hard for me to say any other team in the conference is better than them. I, I like what Florida? Dallas did in the offense. I like what Philly did in the offseason. But those are teams that have to make a leap. And and Green Bay, they did it last year. And, and they have Aaron Rodgers. So... At least for now, he's still the quarterback. Um, they they love the coach. They have a great culture there. And they have a lot of young players that I think you're going to see take a step forward. Guys like Darnell Savage, Jair Alexander is a, a burgeoning star. So um, I, I think they're a team that is still going to be in that 10, 11, 12 win range. And the, and the division is still not very, you know, it's still not very scary if you're the Packers because Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback in Minnesota. We know about the Bears. And Detroit, I think, is fatally flawed if for no other reason than their head coach um, is a is a kind of a knob. When you look at the NFC as a whole, do you worry or have any thoughts about how good Tampa Bay might be this season? Because personally, my number one team is the Saints, and I'm kind of nervous about that team in in South Florida right now. I'm not nervous about it. I, I actually low key think the Bucks are going to be a mess. Mm. I don't. Uh, I, I do too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it, there's for a lot of reasons, and not the least of which is that Tom Brady last year was really bad, mm. and I think it's been underplayed how bad he was. Not just like bad by Brady standards; he was a bad quarterback last year. And I don't think going to Tampa, where he's got receivers that don't fit the skill set that he likes, get open quickly, get the ball out quickly, he's not going to stand in the pocket and wait for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans to run forty yards down the field. He's just not going to do it. He doesn't want to take the hits. The offensive line is not good enough to protect him. And, and we we worried too much about what a, what a team did in the draft. Tristan Wirfs is not the solution at offensive tackle in 2020. He might be by 2022, but not in 2020. So I, 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 they're a wild card team to me. Maybe they can get they can win 10 games, but I, I still think it's going it's not going to be, you know, the fact that they're at some places second or third in NFC odds is crazy to me.
Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for continuously every day. You guys are literally the best fans, listeners, family, friends in the world checking us out every day, Monday through Friday, whenever we do a show. And we really appreciate it. And you know what I appreciate, Cody, the most? What's that? It's a couple of things. I, I appreciate the thought of, well, what could Brandon Cooks be this year with a very accurate deep ball thrower like Deshaun Watson? And we know that's his game. What can Kenny Stills bring this year if he's even around? Will Randall Cobb be that slot threat that we are paying him to be? Is Isaiah Kotler going to be an answer for this offense to take it to the next level? I have a lot of high hopes for that guy. Fifth round pick has some talent. But you know what I'm you know what I really love, Cody? What's that? <laughs> the thought of somebody else, like myself, hating the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and at the same time, thanking them for passing on Deshaun Watson for old Mitchell Trubisky. Thank oh, you, God. I, I, Thank you. Oh, God. I, I sure do hate knowing that Peter fed into your foolishness. But speaking of Chicago, we are literally 20 minutes away from part five and six of the Jordan documentary, which means this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. With a lot of things going on in the world, people cannot go out and, and work out. If you want to maintain your weight or continue eating healthy, please go out and get a Built Bar. Once again, I'm your host, Cody Davis. John, I know you have a lot of questions. But unfortunately, we do not have time. That's what the rest of this week is for. It's oh wow! Well, you can you can follow me on Twitter at some sports guy with two eyes at the end of it. And I hope you guys and I'm going to talk about this later on this week because I want to see how things are really going. But I hope you guys are practicing enough safety, please, while you're out and about. The mayor did issue another, you know, kind of a. Lockdown, shutdown, stay-at-home order until May 30th, I believe. Uh, more cases have came about since opening Houston on Friday. And literally, guys, it's not that serious some of the things you're doing. Uh, some of them are, some of them are not. Not you guys. I know we have smart listeners. But uh, I say that because my name is not going outside today on Twitter sometimes. Uh, and it's, I'm still not going outside. So. Uh, until next time, Houston, stay safe, stay sane, and stay sanitized. Peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.